to the Batmobile. Let's go. Come on, Bob, for old times, huh? Harley Quinn, nice to meet ya. <laughs> Pardon my French. Fuck those fuckers. Right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Comics in Motion podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Phelps, and my co-host and very good friend is Mr. Dave Horrock. Hi Chris, and hello to our listeners out there. Welcome to Comics in Motion TV and movie reviews for shows that are based on comic books. Myself, I'll be reviewing from the perspective of a long-time comic book reader. And I'll be reviewing from the TV and movie perspective. And what we also love to do is we also love to spoil the hell out of everything we review. So if you haven't watched our choice of the week, then we'd advise you to proceed with caution. And remember, Chris, with an average podcast comes no responsibility. <laughs> what are you going to ask me to say that, Dave? I was like, what? Hey, I don't do that. <laughs> well, it's never been more apt than this week's choice, has it? But I would say, so this is coming out on Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving to all of our American listeners over there. We thought we'd pick something that was kind of in that wheelhouse. Thanksgiving does appear, even though it's not really a Thanksgiving movie. And obviously we don't we don't um, celebrate it as such over here, but... Chris, I will be uh, watching Planes, Trains and Automobiles. So that's my little Thanksgiving kind of <laughs> tradition yeah. there. Now, Chris, what are we going to review this week? Well, Dave, it's quite apt because it's Thanksgiving and I've got a little story behind this as well. But we're going with the 2002, Dave, Sam Raimi, Spider-Man. Awesome. Now, come on then. What's the little story? Well... I'll tell you a little bit about the movie myself. I have had this movie on, uh, I've had it about three or four times on DVD, Dave. I don't know why. And I actually found a brand new copy of it the other week and it's still in the cellophane. I don't know how I've even got it, but I've had it on various different things with DVDs. So I've got it. It's one of the ones that put Tobey Maguire on, on the map, didn't it? And I know the first and second one, especially, I think the second one's uh, thought are better than this one, but... I love this. I actually went to the cinema to watch this. I remember going and seeing it and just loving it and loving the whole, you know, it reminded me a lot of the 1960s Spider-Man comics because Peter had a little bit of, you know, a little bit of something behind him. He could crack a few jokes, but the vulnerability of the Peter Parker, which is what I like. And I always hold, I have a, a big fondness for Andrew Garfield. I know a lot of people don't like their movies, but I think he's a great Peter Parker and the vulnerable and stuff. I think Tobey Maguire... And all three of them, you know, you know, I like all three of them as Spider-Man, but this for me was one of the first ones where it sort of blew me away, Dave. And, and I know um, the PlayStation 5 has just come out on the 19th, you know, last week. And I did buy Spider-Man Miles Morales and the Spider-Man remaster for my PS5, Dave. And I will say to you, I am absolutely loving it considering I never played him. Awesome stuff. Now, Chris, I... I... There was no way I wasn't going to go and see this at the cinema. With some, with some of the things, I, I kind of quite happily just wait until it comes out on uh, video or DVD. Now, you know, later on. But you know, growing up, Spider-Man was just everywhere, wasn't he? You know, and even though he wasn't kind of you know up there with Superman and Batman, in terms of just the iconography of it, you know, the the. I had Spider-Man lampshades and things, and it was just everywhere. So we'd come back and reviewed the, uh, was it 77, the TV series, the pilot? And, you know, at the time, you know, as a young kid, I'd kind of like that, but it was slightly ridiculous. I also remember um, quite vividly, actually, that on the Kenny Everett show, he used to do a sketch. He probably only did it once, but he climbed through the window in his uh, Spider-Man outfit, and then, you know, he stands up next to the urinals. <laughs> He's, like, <laughs> searching for, you know, a zipper or something, and he can't find it, and then, obviously, uh, you know, he has to, has to soil himself. So, uh, these weird little memories. But, you know, this is after X-Men came out in 2000, which really kind of, it started a new age of comic book movies, didn't it, I think? You know, the CGI was a bit better, and I was just wondering, okay, how is this one going to be? And even though, you know, that some of the CGI, I think, looks a bit 
kind of rubbery. You know, I, I don't think they quite had the motion capture nailed down at that time. I just thought it was such a leap from what we saw in the late 70s Spider-Man. I just absolutely loved it. Didn't know who uh, Tobey Maguire was. Did have a little bit of a crush, I must admit, on Kirsten Dunst after, uh, you know, I saw her first in Jumanji, which, you know, I was a kid at the time as well, guys. So (laughs) (laughs) it'd be weird if I just watched it last year and had a crush on her then. But yeah, so so I was quite looking forward to seeing how, you know, she would be that Mary Jane as well. And yeah, there, there are a few things like not quite right, and I'm sure we'll get into those. But uh, yeah, I, I just thought it was brilliant. Yeah, it's only it's funny, Dave, because it's quite synonymous. One in the early two thousands, we'd had Blade in ninety eight, which I loved, and we've reviewed it. And then this seemed like a step up. And I know we'll get into it in the review because there is stuff that's aged it. But I do think when it's a classic and the use of New York is fantastic, and obviously one of the big things with this movie was the fact that when obviously we had the tragedy at the Twin Towers, a lot of the promo stuff was the Spider-Man, uh, you know, he was actually around the Twin Towers. He even had the reflection of the Twin Towers in his eyes on the yeah. posters and he had to change all that, didn't he? And I remember it so well, Dave, because didn't it delay the movie slightly as well because of what had happened? I'm sure it, it, um, it got delayed or moved slightly because there was a lot and they had to redo some of the stuff, I think, because of the movie, because yeah. of what happened. I don't remember if it was delayed. I, I do remember, though, like you say, they, I think they had um, uh, some of the shot, wasn't it? You know, you, like you say, the reflection of the Twin Towers was there in, in the skyline and stuff. You had um, this, I think it was a car, a getaway car or something like that, that was being held up by webs, you know, but between the Twin Towers. Um, and I think that that final shot at the end you know, when you saw Spider-Man up on the American flag, I, I thought that was, I was pretty sure that must have been shot after 9-11 because everyone was just so, it, it was just such a monumental event, wasn't it? You know, I mean, you still think back to it yeah. now. I can remember how that day unfolded quite quite vividly. And, you know, it, it shook everything, you know, everyone for quite a while, didn't it? So, um yeah, I, I like I say, don't know if it delayed it, but they definitely reworked some things in there. Yeah, they did. And and, and I, I think as well, Dave, what's interesting, and this is just probably from researching the stuff that's online and that, is it was the highest selling grossing movie ever, wasn't it, at the time? It even beat Harry Potter, which had made 90 million over three days. This broke the 100 million mark. It was the first one to do it. And it made 114 million. So, and I remember the computer game, Dave, it was everywhere it was wasn't the best game in the world it was all right like sort of in the middle of five or six out of ten but it just sold like everybody had a copy of it if i remember rightly and it made loads of this game which it, it was across like the ps2 xbox and gamecube at the time the three main consoles mm-hmm. and it was just one of the movie tie-ins that just about was a bit better because because what's synonymous with gaming is Movie time films, Dave, are absolutely shit. Yeah. Really bad. And this wasn't that bad. So it, so I think it, it gained a lot of traction. But it all, different, like you said, the phenomenon of Spider-Man was born again. He wasn't just this piss-taking character or this cartoon character because obviously the, the adaptions we'd seen before, one we reviewed previously, like you say, the 77 one, was just fucking awful. So <laughs> this is where we... In some respects, Dave, yeah, it's a Sony movie, but Spider-Man is a Marvel property. It's all that momentum building to the MCU in it, you yeah. know, because Tobey Maguire was, and all the third one gets a slate, and especially his fucking MC Hammer flash dancing shit, you know, David Brent stuff. But the movie's not that bad, and we do get a version of Venom in that as well, don't we? So I've, I've seen all three of them in the cinema, and I enjoyed all three of them. Yeah, and I think, you know, I'm sure we'll come back come to that. We shouldn't really have waited so long to tackle this one because, like I say, I do feel this plus X-Men, we'll forget about the Angley Hulk. <laughs> but, <you> know, <laughs> We've this, been there, Dave. This <laughs> I think, yeah. was the start of, like, a golden time for comic book movies. Like I say, you know, we both love Blade. It was so different, even from the original comics. You know, eventually they ended up pulling the the comics into line with more the movie. But um, it it wasn't like this. This properly as well leaned into the comics. In X-Men, you had them all in their kind of Nick Fury, you know, black leather suits. Whereas in the 
in this Spider-Man, you know, he's he's it's so bright and colourful, you know, the and the Spider-Man outfit just looks phenomenal, I think. You know, going back to, to look at it now, it's like, oh wow, this you know, considering it's nearly twenty years ago that they generated this. I, I thought I think it just looks fantastic, you know. Especially, you know, you've got it on your home cinema kind of thing, and you know, big screen that you got the Blu-ray Christmas on the on the HD TV. It just looks fantastic. Yeah, it does, Dave. And I, and I do think as well that a lot of the cinematography in this is fantastic. I mean, look, we both love New York, don't we? And I, you know, I've recently been there. I was lucky enough to go at Christmas and. I've just seeing a lot of the things that, you know, it's all right, it's 20 years ago, literally, when this was filmed. It's around 2000, 2001, it was filmed. It doesn't matter, Dave, it's still New York. You're still seeing, like, the Empire State Building, Statue of Liberty. You know, you've got all these iconic things. And I, and I know he's based in Queens, in he, Peter Parker and stuff, mm-hmm. but I just love it. I just think that it was just everything that I wanted in a superhero movie, Dave, that I'd not seen since the original Superman films, to be honest. Yeah, and I tell you what... I mean, this had been in kind of pre-production and development hell since the early 80s. But if they'd have done the movie then, you know, it wouldn't have come off like this. Like I say, the, the CGI was still a bit, you know, still a bit in development, if you like. Um, it, it's good enough. But, you know, if they'd have done it in the 80s, <laughs> it, it, it'd have just been like the 70s pretty much, wouldn't it? That That's all it would have been. But I'll tell you what would have made it better, Chris. Hugh Jackman was lined up to do a cameo as Wolverine in it. But like I say, two years two years prior, you'd had the X-Men. So they had him lined up, but they scrapped the plan because they couldn't get access to his Wolverine costume. But you know what? That would have been absolutely perfect, Dave. What a, what a lame excuse to not put him in there. The Wolverine costume, the black suit... Just give him a white fucking vest. <laughs> and that's and all that Exactly, a white vest, fluff his hair up. That's what you need, some tight jeans. And I think as well, this would have been a perfect crossover because there were so many properties, Dave, weren't they? X-Men and, and Spidey at this time. This would have been perfect for some sort of crossover movie. But yeah, that's fucking shocking. Shocking that, Dave. Uh, no, um, Spider-Man Sony's X-Men was 20th Century Fox. That's what I meant, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't fact check dave don't fact check <laughs> well the only reason i was sort of thinking was well because disney obviously own the x-men now don't they because yeah because they bought yeah. out fox but um yeah. but anyway so you know and and who knows how they'd, they'd have worked out the rights but that's what's reported is that you know it's just because they couldn't get hold of the uh hold of the uniform unbelievable now chris should we get into our trailer Let's go. Who am I? You sure you want to know? If somebody told you I was just your average ordinary guy, not a care in the world, somebody lied. Truth is, it wasn't always like this. There was a time when life was a lot less complicated. Can I take your picture for the school paper? Sure. In this lab, we have 15 genetically enhanced super spiders. There's 14. One's missing. Peter, are you all right? I'm fine. Hey, look, you're changing. I know I'm going to do exactly the same thing at your age. No, not exactly. Peter, may I introduce my father, Norman Osborne? Great honor to meet you, sir. Harry tells me you're quite the science whiz. You know, I'm something of a scientist myself. What the hell is that? Whatever it is, somebody has to stop it. With great power comes great responsibility. This is my gift. Wow. It is my curse. Who are you? Who am I? I'm Spider-Man. Do I get to say thank you this time?
much. You're not Superman, you know. Now, Chris, another reason why this is a such an iconic film. This is the first time we get to see that Marvel intro, you know, with the comic books and everything. Yeah. And apart from that, I guess, with all the kind of DNA sort of CGI opening, it does remind me a little bit of X-Men. But, I mean, essentially we get to meet Peter Parker, don't we? So he's a high school student at Columbia University. Uh, let me start all that again. So we get to meet Peter Parker, he's a high school student, and they're out visiting Columbia University, uh, their genetics laboratory, and he's bitten by a genetically engineered super spider. And he ends up falling falling ill when he gets home, and then wakes up, and he's been on the, the Bowflex. So he's properly buffed <laughs> up there, isn't he? <laughs> Very good reference, Dave. Now, Chris, what do you make to the opening of this one? <laughs> that was very good that day. That was a uh, Captain America. Oh, I get that reference. Yeah, that yeah. one. Um, yeah. No, I, you know what? I, I've not seen it for probably ten years, Dave. I've not watched this, and, and genuinely, I forgot how quickly it got into Peter being, you know, bitten by the spider. We get to meet Harry Osborn, don't we? James Franco, and you know his dad's there, William Defoe. Um, you know, and and he. Is you know he's the the guy he's Norman Osborn in. He's you can just tell straight away for some reason Willem Dafoe's got this fucking face that you just know he's not a good guy. Dave, <laughs> yeah. I know in is it Aquaman he's a good guy. In um, yeah, but I, yeah, I just don't he's buy still it. never convinced. Yeah. I'm the same as you. He's just there is a fucking bastard and he's someone you love to hate. I really struggled in Aquaman to believe he was the good guy. He was like uh, Aquaman's mentor, wasn't he? But but yeah. yeah, in this, you just know straight away, and he, he's all nice, and he's like, and Peter's talking about the, you know, the the uh, whole thesis he's done on on some of his studying and all this stuff, and and obviously Harry's there looking like, oh my god, you know. And but what I will say, Dave, watching this again. Is this start? Yeah, great. You've got the spider bites and he's taking pictures of MJ. I know this the bit. I've never been a fan of Kirsten Dunst, Dave, at all. And I genuinely, I fucking cringe when she's doing all that stupid posing for the pictures. I know that <laughs> it's for the film and he's absolutely in love with this girl. But what's weird is he, he's, um, Peter Parker, she's got no man. She's with Flash, the big guy, you know, and he's uh, out of Magic Mike as well, that guy who plays Flash. Um, oh, oh his is name. He? Yeah, uh, he's the... Because that bit, I watch it all the time on YouTube when he goes to attack him and obviously he's bloody throwing punches and everything. Um, Joe, you, Joe Mangli. Oh, Mangli, well. yeah. Yeah, that's him. <laughs> Manga Neil Nilo. Yes. He's the one Dave out of... Uh, he's plays Deathstroke in the the Zack Snyder one that got is that him, uh, is it? caught. That's him. Yeah, that's him. Oh. So he's in Magic Mike. He's been in a few things as well. So, so yeah, that's him because they're going to put his scene in Justice League, aren't they? So he's dead pleased with that. And he's also married to Dave. Uh, that Rosa Mendes, is it? He was absolutely stunning. Ooh, um, so, funny. yeah, she's well, stunning. Really well for himself. So, so yeah, so I always remember that bit with Flash. But what's weird in this is there's no mention that MJ lives next door to Peter at all. And he, he he's talking to her like he's never spoke to her before. And I find that really bizarre at the start. I, only this time watching, I'm not shitting on it. Like I, I really, really enjoy the movie, but, but genuinely there, there was a lot of little leaps that you are supposed to go with the story that this hasn't just happened over a couple of weeks, if that makes sense. So he yeah, gets bit yeah. within a day. Obviously we meet uncle Ben, we meet um, Aunt May, He's then become, he's just sort of become a little bit arrogant, Annie Peter and all that. And we've got this little backstory, but there's loads of lovely little bits, Dave, especially the bit of the school at the start where Flash is throwing punches and he just fucking levers him. I love all that. The spidey sense and everything's fantastic. So yeah, yeah I love the start of it. I'm not a big fan of Kirsten Dunst at all. I think she's completely miscast. I know the red hair and all that. I don't know what it is about her, Dave. I just, I know you like her, but I just didn't take to it in in the movies to be honest well going into it you know i i like I say as a kid i'd watched jumanji and you know thought she was quite cute in this role though i think i'm with you and especially as the redhead it just doesn't look right <laughs> yeah i you know and i, I don't know if that's because i know you know she's blonde in real life and i just 
can't really get over it. But um, yeah, it is a bit of a leap, to be honest, like you say, because she does get them to stop the bus, doesn't she? Yeah. You know, when Peter's like trying to catch it up and stuff, this is before he gets his powers. But but then she is quite sort of standoffish with him. And like you say, when he's taking a picture and stuff, it's not like someone who's grown up next door. You know, and I, no. I still think with his camera there, he's a bit of a George McFly. But, um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> he's going to have a sore shoulder that night, Dave. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> but you know what, Chris? I think with, with all the kind of newer movies that have come out, like I say, this is 18 years old now, isn't it? Yes. And um, I think this had got worse in my memory. Probably haven't watched this for maybe five years or something. And I think it's just got worse as other newer things have come out, you know, like, you know, like I say, with the whole MCU and the way that all culminated with Endgame, it, it was just so impressive. But when this opening act starts, I'm just, I'm in love with it. I just think it's so brilliant. Like I say, you can go get past the little leaps with uh, MJ and stuff. But this as well, I think, is pretty much lifted. It's very, very faithful to Spider-Man's origin. So Amazing Fantasy 15, you know, this was Stan Lee's story. He was kind of getting a bit bored with the comics industry, wanted to get out, you know, and his missus just said, well, write the story. You know what? No, that's that was fantastic. For forget I said that. <laughs> <laughs> but this was uh, Stanley's story. You know, if you believe him, <laughs> Spider-Man's actually yeah. quite contested about who created him. Obviously, uh, Steve Ditko. You know, as uh, he drew most of his early issues, and then you know, but Jack Kirby had done some initial designs as well. So, but anyway, you know, this this 1962 comic. You know, he was just thrown in there as as this kind of... They were cancelling that book anyway. So he was thrown in there, but just ended up becoming, you know, really popular. The only thing that differs is, you know, Peter Parker is really smart. And I think he's played up to be quite smart here as well. But he gets his web shooters for free. You know, they, they just come with his powers, don't they, in this? Yeah. And it yeah. never quite felt right to me, you know, because... In all the other incarnations, in the animated stuff, you know, certainly in the comics, you know, he has to build his own web shooters. So if you think about it as well, you, you've got a finite supply, so you can kind of play around with that in the storylines, you know, if he runs out of web fluid and stuff. So the fact that his body just shoots this stuff out, I, I didn't really like that. But that didn't take away this opening act I was loving. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. And, and I think as well, Dave, we get an iconic moment, don't we? So Peter's become a bit of, not a, a bit of an arse, I suppose, because he's got his powers and he, he's saving people and he, he's liking the little bit of adulation he's getting. And we get the famous speech from Uncle Ben, Dave, which really is, it's been used in films afterwards and it may have been ripped off somewhere else, I don't know, but I only ever remember it from this movie. It's the, the be- one of the best lines ever. With great power comes great responsibility, Dave. Yeah. And and I will say, what I do, and you said about the webs and that, yeah, the web thing's bollocks where it's on his forearms and that, and in, on his wrist and that. But what's great is there's a couple of DC references. We get yeah. Shazam, and we get Aunt May say something like, well, you're not Superman. You know, and, he, and <laughs> it's quite, me as a fanboy, loving them little pop culture references. I'm like, oh, I like that. But yeah, we, we do get the the whole, I want to, he wants a car like Flash. And that's what I'm saying. When she's next door and she's fighting with her dad, that's so bizarre to me because we're 20 minutes in and there's no reference. Like you've exactly said the same thing about, you know, the pictures and, and all that. You know, we get the whole um, just weirdness of being next door. I just find that yeah. bizarre because I would have played up the fact that he's her best friend because he lives next door and he's been chasing her. I just didn't buy that whole dynamic with Flash. And I think he's pretty shit in it, Joe Malley, whatever he's called, who plays Flash. He's only in it briefly, but he's not fantastic he's a bit wooden now it's one of his first acting things but i do think tobey Maguire plays peter parker brilliant the vulnerability of him the, the sort of self-awareness of who he is i mean that bit when he's waving at her at the start when they're in the lab and it's a fucking friends dave we've all been there 
I, I don't know how many times I have been at fucking football matches at United and someone's waved at me and I'm looking behind, not seeing anyone wave, and I'm waving. And then I see someone behind me waving. I'm like, oh my God. You know, like. Come on, we've, we've all done I, it. We've all done it. Way, it's you know. the fucking worst ever that yeah. day. You don't know where to go, do you? You just sort of like. You just end up like. Combing your hair with your fingers, kind of thing. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't waving. It's, it's, it's fine. It's fine. But just to pick up a, a point. So when he's doing the Shazam and he goes up, up and away, that, that was just Toby Maguire ad libbing. There was nothing in the script for that. So I thought that that, that was pretty cool. But uh, like you say, would they be a bit more kind of anal these days about you know keeping out? cross-brand, cross-publisher references or something. I don't know. I mean, in Teen Titans Go to the Movies, they had uh, Stan Lee in there, didn't they? So That was brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> like it was think... good, that one, when he said about DC. He's like, oh, what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, Flash, that fight is great. And I, I do think, you know, Peter Parker, I think he's a bit hard done by there, isn't he? Because Flash deserved a bit of a pasting, quite honestly. Yes. And even MJ is giving him a bit of a hard time. It's like, oh, yeah, he's, he's okay, you know, just his ego's hurt. It's like he was looking to beat the shit out of a guy who's about half his size. And um, I, I, I think what, just to pick a nit here, it's this, like, movie fighting, isn't it? You know, yeah. when Flash gets his hands up, it's like he's a boxer. He's got a really wide stance and everything. Come on, if he's a school bully, he's just going to shoulder charge him into the lockers and beat the living crap out of him. Or, or you know, he would try to anyway. So, yeah, I, I did like how he, he sort of did that. You know, one other thing, Chris. You know when MJ slips over and all her food goes in the air yeah. and Peter Parker catches it all on the tray? It's a fucking yeah. genuine take, that. Oh, is it? Yeah. So it, it looks fake, doesn't it? Yeah. But that is a is a genuine take. They, they had to film it like 150 or something times. Oh but he actually God. bloody caught it on the tray. I think yeah. it was... I, I had to rewind that. Yeah, you know, here we go. 156 takes it took. Oh my god! I didn't even know that was real. I thought that was all like CGI. <laughs> yeah. I mean, today you you wouldn't even bother trying, would you? You just go like, right, just hold the tray, and we'll CGI in some, you know, um, food and and whatever. But no, hundred and fifty six takes. That's that's mid. I mean. It's not the same, and you've mentioned George McFly earlier, but it's like the old milkshake bit in it, you know, and he goes, Lou, milkshake, chocolate, and he fires it. That took fucking hundreds of times for him to get that right, you know, because he kept spilling it, missing it, and he wanted it to be authentic, like he was the man at the time, didn't he, when George comes in? This is different level, Dave. I didn't even know that. I'd love to have seen him filming that. Yeah, I've not actually seen it, but can you imagine on the, I don't know, the 76th time or something, and he gets all but one thing, and it's just like, (laughs) oh, for fuck's sake, can you not just CGI that in? But um, that's clever, that you know that you know what that's brilliant, that David. That's a top bit of knowledge. I didn't even know that. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna have to go back and watch it now. Yeah, it is genuinely impressive. Um, it, it'd be one of those where you know you'd be trying to do it to your mates, you know, and filming it at home and sticking it on YouTube these days. Probably you'd be like, "Whoa, yeah. get in!" But um, getting back to what you were saying about that speech from Uncle Ben, you know what? I don't know if I'm just becoming more of a softy, Chris, but I don't remember that speech getting to me quite like it did this time. It did to me. Yeah, the lump in my throat and everything. It's like wiping a tear out of my fucking eye, Dave. Like, just thinking, oh my God, Sam can't see me. She's watching the soaps and I've got my laptop watching it. I'm like, oh my God. Isn't that, <laughs> that weird? That was the same. Yeah. That honestly. is weird. But I think it's because you know what's coming as well. And Toby Maguire, I think, sells it that he's just a, just like a typical teenager, isn't he? Just, you know, the world owes him a living kind of thing and just, you know, stop acting like my dad. And he just sort of, Uncle Ben, he, he just sort of takes it, doesn't he? He's like, no, no, fair point. I'm not your dad, you know, whatever. Yeah. But you could tell, like, he's sort of a bit crushed as well, you know, because he loves the bones off Peter. And just the fact that he 
gave him such a hard time. I was like, oh, no, no, don't do it. Survive this time. <laughs> you, know? You, know, you know what, though, David? You're right. Survive. Yeah, you're totally right. He goes into the fight then, doesn't he, with Macho Man Randy Savage? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, dig it. Yeah, yeah, dig it. Macho Man. Now, you know how much I love wrestling, especially the old school stuff. And there's so many wrestlers lost their lives because of taking gear and stuff like that, Dave. And Macho Man died of a heart attack in about 2010. I think it's about 10 years since we've lost him. If there's an ever, Dave, ever something to say to people, do not take steroids. Macho Man Randy Savage in this film is the one because his fucking head is about to explode. He looks phenomenal, but he looks like he's going to absolutely, he's got no gas on him or anything. I just, I'm looking at Dave as someone who loved him. He is bigger there than he was in his wrestling career. He is massive when he's fighting Peter and it gives the effect completely because we all, as a wrestling fan, I always think Macho Man's tiny because Hulk Hogan is like six foot seven or six foot six. He's a good six foot one, I think, Macho Man. But because we'd always had this thing of the big giants like The Undertaker he went up against and all that, who were just like basketball sized play, uh, wrestlers. He's a big guy, Dave, and he looks mean, doesn't he? I know it's a wrestling match and it's, it's supposed to be staged, but it's not. But that whole fight thing's brilliant. And we get the first bit where Peter goes down and does the full Spider-Man pose in the ring, Dave. I love that bit when he's got that yeah. crappy suit on. Yeah, no, it's good, isn't it? And uh, you get what's-his-face, Ash from uh, is it Living Dead, the old Sam Raimi, Evil Dead, even. Yeah. I can't remember what his name is, but, you know, because he, he says, oh, he's the human spider. And he says, oh, that's terrible. So he's the one who deems him kind of Spider-Man. And I agree, though, with Macho Man. His veins were popping out something rotten, weren't they? It was huge. Um, and, uh, yeah, I I thought it was strange, though, because you've got this little pipsqueak. You know? <laughs> you've got this scrawny little Tobey Maguire. And all, uh, you know, it was, it was Buzzsaw, wasn't it? it was his yeah. name, wrestling name he was going under. And he basically, you know, he's, all of his entourage, all the girls are giving him a hard time. And even though, you know, Buzzsaw's just kicked the crap out of these other huge wrestling dudes, you know, the little pipsqueak comes in and they decide to make it a cage match. And not only that, they're giving him the full, like, chairs to break over his head and stuff. <laughs> and it's like, come on. Surely someone, you know, it, it was a bit of a stretch. Obviously, it's there. And I have seen as well, Chris, I... I didn't think of this, anything of this at the time. But, you know, it's been pointed out that some of Peter's dialogue is a bit homophobic in this, you know. So when he, he sort of says something about, um, did your husband make that for you or something like that about his his outfit? But, you know, I, I think that's just one of those. that It's of the time, isn't it? That little bit of dialogue. But it's fantastic. You know, he, he shows his agility. I'm still thinking, you know, considering later on Peter Parker defends his secret identity so fiercely, you know, he's been doing these flips and everything in high school. And then when he goes to collect his money after the wrestling match, he's got his mask off and everything. So, you know, when Spider-Man starts showing up, you've got to think, well, there's there's a few people who've already seen who this guy is and can surely (laughs) put two and two together. Dave... If someone wearing a fucking pair of bifocals can't be detected as Superman throughout any fucking movie, then the intelligence (laughs) of people... No, I'm not taking a piss out of you. I watched... Have you seen the Jimmy Kimmel setup where you've got Henry Cavill and fucking Ben Affleck when they're filming Justice League, Dave, in that museum? You know, have you ever seen it? And then he comes along, doesn't he? Jesse Eisenberg and Jimmy Kimmel keeps walking past them when they're talking and he goes... And he's looking like that and he goes, Superman. And he takes the glasses off, Superman. And he's pissed. And then he comes again and gets Ben Affleck to take a selfie. I only watched it the other day. He gets Ben Affleck to take a selfie of him and Superman going, he's Superman and he's there. And, he, and Ben Affleck puts the phone above his nose and starts talking And Batman. He goes, hang on, put the phone back there. And he goes, yeah. he's Batman. And honestly, that's like <laughs> insulting your intelligence. And he's saying to fucking Lex Luthor, Superman, Batman and Superman in the same room. And he's like, what? And it's a... I love that send-up, Dave. It's a proper piss take. But again, you're right. That that makes no sense. I will say, though, Dave, but I was very surprised by this. I completely forgot. 
Spider-Man in this, Dave, and we don't see it in Andrew Garfield's one, really, a little bit, uh, and we, we certainly don't see it with Tom Holland's Spider-Man, but the killing in this, you know, obviously Uncle Ben gets killed by the guy who's, so when he does the wrestling match, the guy who's supposed to pay, is supposed to give him three grand, he goes and give you, um, you know, a hundred bucks or whatever it is, and he's fucking pissed off, in it because he's like, hang on, he says three grand, he went, oh, you only lasted two minutes, you know, what are you going to do, kid, and all this, and then the guy comes in and robs him, and he lets him go. So you see that it's almost like Superman, three levels of, like, he sort of goes a bit of a baddie. But once Uncle Ben dies, Dave, and he leaves him and goes after the guy, and he kills him. And he does, he throws him over the thing, doesn't he? And I know it's not necessarily intentional at first, but he kills him. And there's a few bits in this trilogy, I'd forgot about, where we do see a darker side to Spider-Man. Yeah, he doesn't throw him, does he? He, he doesn't throw him out the window. He sort of trips. Yeah, yeah. But he but could have definitely more, he could have definitely saved him. Yes, yeah, and and that, that explores it. I find in the trilogy, you know, I want to go back and watch all three of them now. To be honest, yeah, yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. Um, like I say, I'd kind of forgotten how good this was. I think in the 2003 Daredevil, you kind of see a similar thing where you know Daredevil's the same. He he doesn't kill, so you know, same as Batman as well, but. In the movie, in the Daredevil movie, he kind of lets this guy get, you know, uh, steamrolled by a bloody train, you know. And again, it's the same thing. Probably Spider-Man even more because he could have, you know, as he fell out the window, he could have used his webs to, like, catch him or whatever. But, you know, I think this is a... This is a really good moment for Peter. (laughs) Obviously, horrendously shit moment as well. But, you know, if you think about Spider-Man's origin, people think, oh, yeah, Spider-Man. He was bitten by a radioactive spider and then became Spider-Man. Well, it's not really the case. He got bit by a spider and that gave him powers. But he wasn't a hero yet. He just had the powers. Yeah. And it was that talk from Uncle Ben, you know, if you've got great power, it comes with a great responsibility. And the fact that, you know, as this guy runs off with the money and he does nothing, he had the power to stop him and he did nothing with it. Even though he's properly shafted by the guy, you, you can kind of empathize or sympathize with him a little bit. Yeah. But it's, it's more that moment. That's kind of his, that's kind of his Batman's parents getting killed or Bruce Wayne's parents getting killed moment. That's that, you know, mortifying, horrendous tragedy that happens in his life. And it's from that that makes him so driven to be the hero that he becomes. Yeah, and you know what, Dave? It's it's great to go through it. And I will say, and we haven't, we genuinely haven't uh, talked about this at all. However, I think we should maybe in the new year uh, look at maybe doing, if you want to, in the schedule, do the Andrew Garfield one before we do Spider-Man 2. I'd love to know your thoughts on it, Dave, because I, re- I went to cinema to see that and I fucking loved it. Yeah. So, so... I don't think Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man's that far away from Tom Holland's, to be honest. He's not so much of a wisecracker, but I, I really enjoyed the movies. Yeah, I like Andrew Garfield. I, I never bought him as Peter Parker just because he's too tall and good-looking. <laughs> that one with being tall and good-looking, Dave, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I know you're no, tall. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Very have good, that Jennifer Grey look about you. you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but fucking set myself up then. Yeah, <laughs> you lit him up. Um, oh. So I, I, I think I, I have to say, I think Tom Holland is my favourite, just because he, he has that kind of wide-eyed wonder, you know, about everything, and his introduction in Captain America: Civil War was just fantastic, you know, and. Um, I just think, and second, I think, would be Tobey Maguire for me. Like I say, it, it's a silly thing, you know, because all of them are, are good-looking Peter Parkers, aren't they? Which always makes me laugh about, you know, how how uh, hard done to Peter Parker feels about life. And, yeah, he's already, he, he always does quite well with the ladies, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, true, true. So, um, so yeah, no, I... I, I Agree. Let's let's do that one then. Let's do the Andrew Garfield one. 
I don't think the first one is as horrendous as the second one. <laughs> Showing my cards a little bit. But um, yeah, we can go back and have a look at that one. Yeah, yeah. Well, we will, we will, Dave. Because I, I we know we've talked about it, and it's always something that I love. You know, so yeah, we'll, we'll go about that. But anyway, back to this, Dave. So obviously, we lose Uncle Ben. Peter's remorseful. You know, we get the whole funeral. We get the whole thing. This is the point in the movie. So we're about 40, 45 minutes into the movie. But what this is where I struggled slightly watching it this time, Dave. The leaps in the movie are not explained very well. So, you know, at the start of the movie, Peter meets uh, Norman Osborn. Right, he's never met him before. Harry has to introduce him. So they've never, he's heard about him, but he's never actually physically seen him. And then obviously the Green Goblin, you know, Norman Osborn is getting sort of shut down and saying, look, this stuff is not working, blah, blah, blah. Um, we're going to actually uh, have to shut you down. We're going with something else. And he, and he ends up becoming nasty and we get a couple of things of the Green Goblin. Again, his transformation into the Green Goblin where he's got this split personality, Dave, I know he does the experiment on himself and all that, but it just seems to happen so quick for me. And the, the fact that Norman Osbornby then becomes a staple in Peter's life, and it doesn't seem like the timeline of the film matches to the timeline of the relationship. Does that make sense to you? I, I find that so bizarre. Even the Thanksgiving meal they're having, where fucking Aunt May's making dinner in the apartment from nowhere. He's not. She's not even met fucking Harry, as far as we can tell. And I just, I find there's so many leaps with the the movie. As much as I really, really enjoy it, I just found this time I really it stood out to me more than anything. I didn't really notice that with this film, but I, I have noticed it with films that I haven't been so familiar with, that everything just seems to accelerate really quickly. So I, I, I picked, we did Lethal Weapon a while ago, didn't we? You know, two yeah. cops hate each other, you know? or, or more so uh, uh, Murtaugh hates, um, oh, tell me the name. What's the Mel Gibson character? Riggs. Riggs. Riggs, that's it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, they hate each other, but then they end up having a couple of beers on the boat, then they're best buds. <laughs> you know? And it all happens <laughs> in a few minutes in the movie, you know, and you're like, oh, come on. <laughs> you know, but because you're so familiar with it, you yeah. can't, and, and I think because we're used to like these high quality, you know, TV shows now where you get this more decompressed storytelling where things are able to build up over, you know, episodes and episodes. I think it becomes more jarring when it all happens quite quickly. I do think, yeah. I do think um, Harry and Peter are friends from high school though. So I think they've, you know, been friends for a while, but considering Peter's absolutely skint and Harry's like, you know, minted, it does seem a bit odd that they'd end up living together in the same apartment. Yeah, and we get the pretense, don't we, that Peter, um, that Harry had been kicked out of various different, you know, private schools. So it's the old, you know, he's a wild child. But we don't really get to explore that in the first one. Obviously, in the second one, it becomes a bit more prominent. Um, I will say, Dave, that whole dynamic, how Harry ends up with MJ, and we get this thing in Times Square, don't we, where we, you know, we get the Osborne, um, the, Thanksgiving floaty thing or whatever it is that they're doing and all that. I think that's great. I do I do like all that. And obviously yeah. MJ's on the the platform, almost like the royal family in the UK, isn't it? They're all there like looking up and everything. And then we do get Norman, which again, again, it's a bit stupid because the Green Goblin takes out his son pretty much, Dave. And he could yeah. have killed Harry. That's still something watching it this time. I, I was like, but he wouldn't have took his son out. I just don't believe you know he's got this personality. I don't think so. But I will say William Defoe's voice, Dave, that ah, you know, it's, it's almost like penguin levels, but it reminded me of the cartoons of the Green Goblin. So I think he plays a good part in it, me, William Defoe. He is a good baddie, isn't he, William Defoe? Yeah. Like like you say, with you know, not buying him in Aquaman because he's just a baddie. You know, he's a career baddie, isn't he? And I do think, you know, the way he switches from, you know, these different personalities as well. It's almost a bit Gollum-like, isn't it? You know, from Lord of the Rings. I, I do think that is pretty good. Chris, yeah. we've got to talk about the suit. <laughs> <laughs> right. Even at the time, this is not kind of looking back at it now. Even at the time, 
you know, the Green Goblin Power Ranger suit just took me out of it. I thought it was ridiculous then. I think it looks ridiculous now. It it just looks straight out of Power Rangers, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. I, I will say with him though, Dave, he is an expert in fighting from nowhere, isn't he? He's a scientist, and the next minute he's doing fucking kung fu kicks and everything, isn't he? On Peter, he gives Peter a levering. Yeah, I, and this all comes back. So again, this was in, in some of the exposition, wasn't it? Because you know Norman's trying to, you know, he's he's created Oscorp. They're basically trying to make this super soldier serum, pretty much. And yeah. uh, you know, he's saying, "Oh, it's fine." The guy who's like his lead scientist, you know, threw him under the bus kind of thing by saying, you know, it's got to, we should go back to formula because, you know, the tests that we had on these rats or whatever it was, you know, they seemed to become violent and, you know, a bit crazy. So that's why he tests it on himself. And then he, he does what happened to the rats, you know, he goes completely balmy, but, you know, he's got this superhuman strength kind of thing so he can go toe-to-toe with spider-man yeah look dave and i think this reels in the set i know it's the same spiel and apologies to everybody who listens in and goes oh we're off again are we but we've got a good baddie dave and it elevates spider-man it does elevate spider-man he's up against somebody he's not physically imposing to spider-man but he's certainly got the beating of spider-man and i love the scene with the fire where the building's on fire and yeah. it's a setup, and he goes up and gets the kid. And I'm expect- I kept thinking, is this the one when he comes down with a dog and it's a fucking black? It's not like, it's like the cannonball run where the woman's got my baby's drowning. It's a fucking poodle or something. <laughs> and it was a baby. And then the next bit I remembered, then I was like, oh, I remember this bit. And obviously the Green Goblin gives him a fucking kicking, doesn't he, Dave? And this is just before the Thanksgiving meal because he cuts Peter. And when Peter, this is where I just found that whole scene. I know I've already talked about it. I found it ridiculous that I'm amazing in his apartment and they're all there. Norman comes in, Norman Osborne, doesn't he? And he's, he's, he's on the edge now. He's pretty much gone full on Green Goblin. The whole split personality thing has taken over the, any good that was in him. Like, like a Darth Vader type thing. And then they go in the room and Peter's above him and he's got the blood. And as soon as he sees the blood, he knows who he is, doesn't he? And then yeah. when he comes in, he's got the green suit, the green shirt on Peter, and he comes back in the other way. And she goes, oh, you've cut your hand. And that's it, then all bets are off. And I love that. I just, the only bit that's shit, Dave, and it is shit, is when the Green Goblin blows up Aunt May's house and she's having this fucking, <laughs> I don't know what she's doing. Ah, yeah. ah, she's praying i just don't think that hits home at all i really don't think that hits i think it's pretty terrible that's probably the worst bit of the whole movie for me you heartless bastard (laughs) heartless fucking bad acting dave but yeah you know so it's rosemary harris who plays aunt may and and i i've always found this a bit strange because and they've kind of played around with this in the more recent spider-man movies but yeah you know peter parker's a teenager Aunt May is about fucking seventy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like I know, I know it could in theory, but I mean, she's basically like his surrogate mum, and you're sort of thinking, you, you know, it does the maths don't stack up really, do they? <laughs> so I find that yeah. more ridiculous than Aunt May because think about it, you know, Aunt May's on her own, so she's not going to spend that, uh, you know, Thanksgiving on her own, is she? And, you know, she's cooked a few Thanksgiving's turkeys in her, in her time. So I don't find that bit as ridiculous. No. All right, fair enough. What about the bit when he blows it up, Dave? Come on. You can't say that's good acting. It's fucking No, terrible. no. It, it, yeah. It's I'll a give you that. bit soap opera, isn't it? I'll, I'll, I'll concede <laughs> that. I don't mean for you to just agree with me, but I'll concede that bit. Okay. I, I, I get the context of that. I will say, though, Dave, if we had to pick an Aunt May, it's fucking uh, Marissa to May all yeah. day long. Well, let's, let's be honest <laughs> yeah. now. Let's be completely honest. You know but, what I mean? She's, she's more like, you know, seen. yeah, she's more like, you know, the age you would expect. But again, it's <laughs> it's very straight, straight from the comics. That's how she's kind of drawn, you know, and yeah, she's yeah. been about fucking 70 since the 60s. <laughs> yep, she has. I remember the cartoons, so, Dave, renting it, and she was always this old, divering old Aunt May who didn't have a clue he was Spider-Man and stuff, and he's yeah. always <laughs> getting the bedroom in the nick of time, money and stuff. But she was, her, her portrayal in the Tobey Maguire one, Dave, is exactly what the, the comics and the cartoons were, as far as I can remember, anyway. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, Chris, we sort of skipped over a little bit there. The old upside down kiss. Yes. Now, we do what, get a bit of nipple action, Dave, as well. We get some a nipple bit. action as well. A little bit. I'm trying to be thinking. But, well, well again, though, it's, it's, it's almost that that scene is very much Bruce Wayne's fucking parents scene, isn't it? She's in an open space where it's really busy. Peter talks to her. She goes off and walks down the seediest fucking alleyway we've ever seen with two guys looking at each other going, aye, aye, we're on here. And then two other guys come. So we've got four of them surrounding her and they're going to like basically rape her by the looks of it. And Spidey comes and does her in and he hasn't got his mask on and then he puts he runs off and puts the mask on. Dave, I did like that scene. I must admit, even now, as much as I'm not a fan of Kirsten Dunn's, I, I think that's pretty sexy, that scene. But yeah, Dave, we get a full-on frontal a, a fucking wet t-shirt competition. I remember at the time it caused controversy. So I think, what was it, 2002, 24-year-old Chris Dave loved it then. Um, <laughs> I, should, I should say I don't like it now, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it was the 80s, you wouldn't think anything of it. That was just par for the course, wasn't it? But it, it did, uh, you know, catch the eye. <laughs> <laughs> did you pause it, Dave? <laughs> But um, yeah, I did. I did read that you know Toby Maguire really struggled with this scene because he was upside down. And they've got all this fake rain and stuff. So you know, guess what? It's going right up your nostrils, isn't it? You know, so it was apparently quite a difficult one to see. But it's a film. But um, yeah, I mean, absolutely iconic, isn't it? And I love it, the fact that, you know, Spidey hanging upside down, that's one of his classic kind of poses. And so I, I do think it's great. I do think, you know, it is a good scene, not just because of Kirsten Dunst's wet T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> we are so fucking childish. But anyway, um, but no, you know, and then obviously after that day, we get the whole thing where Norman knows Peter's secret, as we said just earlier. He gets MJ, he gets a captive, and then we get this this scene on the on the bridge, don't we? Is it the Brooklyn Bridge, Dave, I think? And he, he's on the Brooklyn Bridge, and he's he's got her, and he's got a cable car full of kids, which from nowhere just appear and start screaming on cue as the Green Goblin went, and I've also got these kids, take your pick. But the kids are not screaming until he says it, and then they're going, rah, rah, yeah. and it's like, you would be screaming from the minute. And I do like that scene. And you've got the guys watching him. But again, Dave, we get a Superman 2 bit where Spider-Man's about to get fucking killed. And everyone just starts throwing debris on the side of this bridge. Now, the bridge must have been full of fucking uh, rubble and fucking (laughs) litter. Because they're just lobbing stuff over the side. Fucking deck chairs. We've got iron bars being thrown at the green. And they're they're amazing throws. Amazing throws. You know what? I can't... I'm trying to think now. I think that was added after 9-11, you know. Oh, was it? I I couldn't swear on it, but I'm sure I remember reading somewhere that 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 had been added in. Because it's like a a New Yorker's basically saying, you know, fuck you, (laughs) you know, and and sort of ganging up and, you know, not not so much protecting Spider-Man, but attacking the the Green Goblin. But do you not think this reminds you a little bit of um, Dark Knight? Yes, yeah. When they all go, yeah. So yeah. you've got you've got a choice on who you're going to rescue, and so you know, I thought I thought that was good, but the fact that he just ends up saving them both anyway means he didn't really have a choice. I guess he did go for Mary Jane first, you know. Yeah. Um, most of these heroes probably would, but the fact that you know there was no consequence to that just made me think oh, maybe maybe there should have been a little bit of a consequence to to making that choice but but there wasn't um and then they they end up well he, he saves everyone doesn't he but like you say he gets absolutely decimated then by the green goblin doesn't he oh he gets levered and we end up in that house don't we that, that which basically is the end of the film really don't we he's in this sort of the derelict um, building and they have this fight and he gives as good as he gets. But as the fight goes on, Peter's becoming more and more wounded. His mask is becoming more and more impaled, you know, and he's getting ripped off and he's bloody and everything. And as soon as he says something about Mary Jane, how he's going to kill her slowly, then he gets that sort of Superman intentional fortitude, doesn't he, Dave? And, And just gives it the Green Goblin. And then 
what's nice is we get the little heel turn from Norman. He comes Norman. He's like, no, no, Peter, please help me, help me. And he gets to the compassion side of Peter when he's like, you know, Mr. Osborne and all this takes the mask off. And But what he's doing is he's getting the Green Goblin's bloody hoverboard glider in lining it up in it to Spider-Man and that. It's a great way yeah. to kill him off, Dave. I really like that, I must admit. I don't know about you, but I thought it was really good. It, it was good, but I couldn't... When he's... When Norman's playing at, at, you know, pulling on the heartstrings for Peter, I couldn't help but notice he's just basically pressing one button <laughs> to make the glider kind of sneakily, you know, hover up just behind Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh, come on. It's got to be a dial or something. You know, you can't just press one button and it does that sneaky stealth attack type thing. So, yeah. I, I, I know this is a comic book movie. But it was just one of those silly things that jumped out. It's mad, isn't it? Because you'd seen that. I'd never even noticed that day. But now, now you've said it, I've got, I've got to go back and look at some of these things. I'm really interested in the the, the school scene with the food and that. That's, really, that's yeah, great. I, it is I, good. I really, you yeah. probably get that bit on, on YouTube, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. I, I will. I'll, I'll have to watch it later. And, and again, Dave, you know, he impales Norman. Peter takes Norman back to his house. Harry comes in, thinks it's Spider-Man. Obviously, Peter's not got his mask on, but the darkness of the room, he can't tell. And as he's about to shoot him, Spider-Man's gone. Yeah. And then we get the funeral scene, you know, with Harry saying, you know, it's my dying breath, I'm going to get Spider-Man and all this stuff, you know. Uh, but MJ kisses Peter and says she loves him. And he's like, he can't, you know, he's got to protect him. But she realises as he walks off that he, was spy- he is Spider-Man, which, which is a great way to lead into the sequel, I think. I think that's a really good uh, leap at the end. It just that adds that, Everyone comes out of the cinema going, "Oh, you bastard!" You know, yeah. what I, mean? like, I, re- I really like that. I must admit. Yeah, no, it is good, and the fact that you've got it set up now, so Peter's obviously, uh, you know, still Harry's friend, but you know, Harry thinks Spider-Man basically killed his dad off. So, like you say, it sets that up nicely, and then you've got the thing, you know, MJ and Peter, Willy Wonty kind of thing. So, yeah, I, I don't even know when I watched this for the first time, if I knew there was a sequel going to come out, but I remember at the time just chomping at the bit for a sequel. Oh, it's really good. I must admit, Dave, when we do get round to the second one, I think it, that has got one of the most iconic superhero bits in it. Over, It's got to be in my top five. Is the whole um, subway cart scene where he's fighting against Dr. Octopus, you know, Octopus and, um, and he, they have to help him as he's holding it together and he passes out, doesn't he? And everyone's like, he's yeah. a kid. And they, they pass him right down the train and they all stand in his way, don't they? Protect him. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that scene. It's I really brilliant. Really. I've, I've yeah, got goosebumps is. now just thinking about it. And uh, yeah. now it's a brilliant scene, that one. But Chris, should we get into our final review? Let's go. Chris, would you like to do the honours? Of course, of course. Um, for me, Dave, I've been humming and ahhing over the last couple of days thinking, what am I going to score it? What am I going to score it? I think it's a great film. There's a few things, and we didn't touch on it, but when he initially starts jumping from building to building, the CGI is of its time. It's pretty poor, but it's 2001, 2002 when this was made. It's not going to be great. And that does stand out to me more than anything. That's like really was something where I was like, oof, that looks really bad. It almost looks like that dodgy copy the Wolverine I had where they wasn't put the CGI in. Uh, it looked pretty shit. And I actually watched something. I watched part of um, the Avengers, uh, what's the Age of Ultron. Did, did I tagged you in on Twitter where it's the Hulk scene where he changes in like the Brazilian rainforest or wherever he is. And he changes into the Hulk and sort of wrecks this village. And they'd left out half the CGI because it was cut from the movie, Mark Ruffalo. And it looked like that, that bit. I was really cutting. But I think that aside, not a fan of Kirsten Dunst, but I think Tom Maguire is great in it. Um, you know, William Defoe's good. I think the whole... Um, the whole movie, the setting, everything is just great. It tells a great story of Peter Parker, the vulnerability of him, discovering himself. Like I say, the leaps are a bit too much for me. you sort of got to really, really think about what's going on when you're watching it, how far they've come and how friendly they all become by the end of the film. Um, 
But yeah, brilliant. Really, really good movie. And I'm so glad we've done it. And I agree with you, Dave. We should have done this a long time ago. So I'm going to put it in Atlantis, Dave. I was going to put it in the middle, but I think it needs a bit more. It's a great film. And I think, like you, this was on. This was almost like the Hulk levels, of the Ang Lee Hulk levels of on the TV in the UK for years. And I think that's why I slightly went off it because I was like, I'm sick of fucking seeing it, you know, on TV. So this, for me... And I've seen it loads on like various Sky movies and stuff like that. But but and because I've owned it, but now that I've had a break from it, I can enjoy it for what it is. And it's a great superhero movie. I really really enjoyed it. So what about yourself, Dave? Yeah, so I can't argue with any of that. I mentioned before. I think I'd gone off this movie a little bit. It got worse in my memory. But certainly the opening act was so faithful to amazing fantasy 15 you know when we first saw well not at the time obviously but you know i've gone back and read it since but you know the public first saw spider-man and his old origin there and the fact that it all happens so quickly we keep going back to superman the movie don't we where it took 50 minutes to actually <laughs> see superman you know whereas here we do get that linear storytelling but it all happens pretty quickly you know, and he gets out of high school. They they did say, so Stan Lee said, you know, he regretted um, Peter Parker growing up quite so fast. You know, he wanted to keep him in school a little bit more, which is why I think they're exploring that now with the Tom Holland Spider-Man, where they're, they're keeping him a little bit younger for longer. But um, yeah, no, just really enjoyed it. I think the jarring thing is I don't like the Green Goblin design. I think it looks crap. But conversely, I think Willem Dafoe is just such a great baddie, you know, and he's a great baddie in most of the things that he plays, even when he's supposed to be a goodie. And, uh, you know, I think the the rage inside him as well that just comes out occasionally, like whether it's in the boardroom or, you know, whether it's when he's with the when he's the Green Goblin, you know, I think it's just fantastic. So he is a great baddie as well. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to put it in, in Atlantis as well. I do think, you know, I did flirt with the idea of putting it to Cloud City, but because I know the second one <laughs> is probably my favorite out of the trilogy, and I know that's coming, I'm, I'm kind of marking it down a little bit because I don't think it's as good as that. But I think going back, you know, 18 years, this is about as good a movie as we could have expected to get at the time. And I do think that that has kicked off, you know, this new generation, this golden generation of comic book movies as well. And, you know, it pretty much changed everything after that. And people started more embracing the, the comics, you know, and the colorfulness of everything. Um, so, yeah, it's fantastic. Oh, that, honestly, Dave, it's good and it's refreshing to do something so that we both enjoyed as well. We've had a, a bit of fun <laughs> at certain bits in it, but it is though, it is though, isn't it? You know, it's nice to just do something slightly different. And other VHS Strikes Back podcasts, we absolutely just throw each other under the bus, but <laughs> this was just nice. It was a nice film. It was dead easy to watch and, and definitely something I can watch again. I, I won't be taking as long to leave this out of my collection more than anything, Dave. So yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. And I think as well, Dave, you know, we're going into the holiday season. We've got some cracking stuff coming up, haven't we, Dave? Now, next week's um, Comics in Motion TV and Movie Review uh, film is the actual film that I've not seen, Dave. Now, as an MCU fan and someone who bangs on about how much I love the MCU, and originally I loved Superman and Batman DC fanboy as a kid, and I still am. Superman's my favourite superhero. Uh, I've loved this MCU journey, but there's one film, Dave, that I have not watched, and uh, I don't know why I've never watched it, and I, I was going to watch it on holiday, put it on my phone, downloaded it from Disney+, Plus just to get around to watching it. So next week, Dave, we are going to be reviewing Doctor Strange. Awesome. And we were going to do Winter Soldier, which chronologically that that would have been the next one that we were going to tackle. But we're on a bit of a Scott Adkins high at the minute, aren't we? So uh, <laughs> yeah. old Scott there does make an appearance. So I won't spoil anything other than that and say, let's just get into our trailer. Doctor Strange, you think you know how the world works? What if I told you the reality you know is one of many? This doesn't make any sense. Not everything does. Not everything has to.
through the mystic arts, we harness energy and shape reality. We travel great distances in an instant. How do I get from here to there? How did you become a doctor? Study and practice. Here's the bit. There's a strength to him. But is he ready? Be careful which path you travel down, Strange. Stronger men than you have lost their way. I am death. And pain. You'll die protecting this world. I can't do this. There is no other way. Spent so many years peering through time. Looking for you. Now, what's this? My mantra? It's the Wi Fi password. We're not savages. Now, Chris, how can everyone get in contact with us? I've just done that, Dave. Did you? you no, did. I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I was consciously listening and out for it that time. <laughs> You can call me and see you next Tuesday, Dave. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I talked about that, didn't I? When I yeah. So you can contact us, guys, on Twitter, at Comics in Motion P. If you want to email us, the Comics in Motion podcast at gmail.com. And get onto the feed, guys. We've got loads of different shows that'll tickle your fancy. There's plenty of stuff you can get into if you're into the comic book world. And uh, honestly, there's some great content creators on there that me and Dave are so proud of joined our sort of uh, channel aren't they Dave and they're really really good guys as well so just get over there and have a look on the feed it's sensational uh, and also if you do and you do get five minutes just drop us a review on uh, the show or any of the other shows that you listen to on the Comics Emotion Network and it just helps us get out there to more people on the uh, iTunes charts and various other Google ones and things like that so Dave I've talked enough my friend what are you going to lead us out with today well we start off don't we and we say you know, with, with an average podcast comes no responsibility. But there's only one way to finish that one, this one off and say, remember, with great power comes great responsibility. I'll see you next week. Bye. Excuse me, I'm Eric Ventra. Tim Xavier. Go fuck yourself. What in the ass? Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale of the night? Instead of all my prey, I just like the sound. Let's not stand on ceremony here, Mr. Wayne. Would you care to step outside? Come to me, son of Jerome. Kneel before Zod. Why so serious? Let's put a smile on that face. I am Iron Man. I'm Batman. And he? Good. Whoa! Hey. 